Welcome to the ACC Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Adam Gold, and from Baseball America, our ACC Baseball Insider, John Manuel. It's another edition of John Manuel, the podcast. John Manuel, of course, is the editor-in-chief of Baseball America and our ACC Baseball Insider. It's uh, It was a weird week, I thought. We had, a, we had history, and we had two series lost, but I saw positives in both. I don't want to um, blow anything up anybody's skirt, but I saw positives uh, in both series that uh, State and Duke lost, but we'll get to those things in a second. Shall we start with history? Was that the first yeah. time that North Carolina had ever swept the series in Tallahassee? Yeah, it was, and I tell you, it was a history-making weekend. For I'm, I'm actually going to I'm, I'm mixing in Wake Forest because I just wrote a column about Florida State and Miami. Uh, we're seeing history with both those teams. Uh, Adam is not the history that those teams want to make. Florida State had never been swept at home by North Carolina. North Carolina had swept Florida State once before in 2002. Uh, in Chapel Hill, Miami lost its first ever series to Wake Forest at Mark Light Stadium. Those two teams, Adam, I mean, you know, you don't have to be an expert like me to know. Right. You have to be an insider like me to know that those are good college baseball programs. Miami's won four national championships. Jim Morris, their current coach, won two of them. Um, you know, Florida State's been to Omaha more than any other team that hasn't won it. Right. But they're in the top. They're in the top five in appearances all time top six or seven, something like that. And those two teams, are those two are really in jeopardy of breaking a couple of crazy streaks. Yeah. Florida State has won 40 games every year for 39 straight years. It's only a 56-game schedule, Adam. Right. <laughs> I mean, they, it's, it's ridiculous. Now, that 56-game that schedule, I believe, was adopted in 1991. So before that, I do think you could have some years where you played more but they didn't ever go like forty and thirty. Right. When you could when you could play more, they'd win sixty. There, it's only been a recent phenomenon that they didn't win fifty games a year. I mean, they won sixty when Stephen Drew played there in two thousand two when he was a freshman. Right. They won sixty games a year. It's their success has been absurd. So this is the earliest ever that Florida State has lost eleven games. And they lost 11 games in part because they made 11 errors in two games. I, now I sound like Jason Stark. But you can, <laughs> but you can, get, you can get as punny and as crazy name as you want. I probably need to take the rest of this podcast inside. I usually like to walk and talk, but it's so windy today. But, Adam, it's, just, it's nuts. It's nuts to see Florida State struggle like this. So I, don't want, I don't want to detract from Carolina. Right. Um, so, so to keep it focused on them. They've won two ACC road series now. That's huge. And the way that they've won them is just as important, I think, Adam. It's not just they beat Georgia Tech and Florida State on the road. They came back in the final game against Georgia Tech. They rallied. Uh, you know, they were down 4-0 early in that Sunday game, and they rallied both games against Florida State. We saw this last year. Remember the non-conference? They had all those walk-off wins. Right. But they, they couldn't do it in ACC play when it really mattered the most. This year they're doing it. Uh, Michael Bush had two of the big hits, the freshman first baseman. Game time single, which was Carolina's first hit of the game. They were a yes. while away from being no hit on Saturday. You're getting into all my material here, John, but that's go. Keep yeah. going. Keep but going. No, I'm saying, and, then, and then Sunday was a great comeback again, but, I mean, they, they didn't do it alone. They had a lot of help. 11 errors in two games, Adam. I mean, that's just – you just can't do that. So <laughs> Carolina deserves a – 
Carolina deserves the credit, but Florida State, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Oh, there's no question. Uh, first of all, let's, since we're going to start with Carolina, uh, you know, J.B. Bukowskis was J.B. Bukowskis on Friday. Uh, seven innings, three hits, ten strikeouts. They win it three to one. Ho hum. We're just. I mean, exactly. his, his ERA is under one. Uh, he is. I mean, I can't even imagine him not being the ACC pitcher of the year unless things go completely south between yeah. now and the end of the year. And that's with all of the Brandon McKay love that is to be you know spread yeah. around. Luca Delatri not as sharp uh, on Saturday, and as you said, the heels were. Almost no hit. They were down to nothing going to the ninth inning. So that's really hard to believe. They were hard to believe that they were that they, you know, the first two the first two games of that series, Adam, their bats were pretty silent. Yeah, you know, uh, and for Florida State to just give them kind of gifts them a win that day, and Carolina had to do something to get it, but. You get to the win on the road, you you got to take advantage of it, and they did. They make uh, Florida State made six errors in that Saturday game in a five uh, five to two loss uh, in extra I believe eleven innings, uh, yep. and then on Sunday we, we we had talked about this last week. You are expecting Rodney Hutchinson at some point uh, to be the Sunday guy. Well, he was the Sunday guy. He didn't pitch very well. He didn't pitch very long right. uh, either, uh, but. Carolina rallied from 6-2 down. They scored two more times in the ninth. Ashton McGee, Michael Bush, each with home runs. McGee at two home runs uh, in the series. So, uh, it you know, a, a lot of good signs, even though, as you said, it was self-inflicted by FSU. Yeah, two things that jump out, and we'll talk more about Florida State later when we talk about the Wolfpack because they play this weekend. Yes. But the, the focus on Carolina, uh, the two things that you said that just stuck, stood out to me. First, you know, we talked about Michael Bush the freshman first baseman from Minnesota, you know, he got exploited defensively by Long Beach State in that series loss, the Tar Heels' only series loss. And just the fact that he was in his third week of college baseball and from Minnesota and has never seen uh, West Coast, you know, bunt game like Long Beach State plays where everybody pushes, drags in unusual situations and unusual counts and executes the bunt game the way Long Beach State was able to you know, he buckled under that defensive pressure. Um, but that's huge for him. And you know, he hits toward the bottom of the lineup. But that's, to me, just him having success on the road and in a big ACC series, that that gives him some confidence that he can build on the rest of the year. And he's hitting right around 200, if not mm-hmm. a little below. But to keep his spot in the lineup, uh, I think a little success at Florida State was imperative for him. Second, Ashton McGee, let's, let's really talk about this guy, um, and what kind of year he's had, his degree of difficulty was high, uh, Adam. I'm not sure what, you know, what the East German judge is going to score for him, <laughs> but, but he did some pike positions. I mean, this, he, he graduates, first of all, in the fall, Mike Fox told me this on uh, Tuesday night. He said, well, in the, we got done with the fall, and I was like, we need one more bat. <laughs> right. You know, Carolina can't trade some of their high scholarship release pitchers for another bat. It doesn't work that way. No. So you can't usually when you come out of the fall and you say we need another bat, you don't have an option in college baseball. They were able to get Ashton McGee, who was already committed to them, and to convince him to, uh, you know, he was in position academically where he could do some extra work and you know, graduate at the semester and enroll a semester early. You know, a lot of high school athletes do this now. For usually you hear about it most with quarterbacks, so they do a semester early. He did. He finished up a semester early. But then he comes in, and you just jump right into it. You have three weeks 
of inner squads. Right. Well, he's doing three weeks of inner squads, Adam, against Carolina's pitchers who are like sixth or seventh in the country <laughs> in the ERA. He's not doing that against you and me and like some media game. He's doing it against, and he wasn't the first guy he faced, but one of the first guys he faces when he steps on a college campus is J.B. Bukowskis. Good luck with all that, you know? <laughs> so he's overcome that. Right. And then the last hurdle is it's not easy to DH mentally. We've heard big leaguers talk about it over the years, Adam, and mm-hmm. some guys can do it mentally and some guys can't. Well, he's doing it at age 17 when he's missing his prom, he's making all new friends, all those social adjustments he has to make at Carolina. But in his mind, this college thing's easy. He steps right in. He just has to DH. So, you know, he takes a, a good in and out, you know, his infield practice at third base and second base. But, he, you know, then he has to – he doesn't play defense in the game. Right. He hits three-hole. He's hitting behind Logan Warmoth and Brian Miller, so he probably sees a lot of fastballs. Oh, and by the way, the team's really good, and he celebrates the basketball championship as a student. I mean, this guy's <laughs> – this, this guy's living a charmed life. He's probably dating uh, somebody better looking. Well, I mean, then, if he's dating people. somebody better looking, then we we can't we can't lament the loss of the prom. Uh, do no, we do we have point. a Seth Beer situation? Clemson's guy last year, arguably their best hitter. Uh, maybe not arguably. I think he was their yeah. best hitter. Uh, he also graduated early and got to Clemson uh, ahead of schedule. It's just too easy of a joke, Adam. I'm going to make it. He's like light beer. He's not Seth Beer light. He's Seth light beer. I mean, he doesn't have Seth Beer's power, um, but he is a polished, advanced hitter. And, uh, and, you know, to come in and, and hit right in the middle of Carolina's lineup, really from Jump Street of ACC play, and to be an asset there. And you know, I got to see it Tuesday in a midweek game against East Carolina. He was out for his first five in that game with three strikeouts right. and didn't panic and still had a fantastic at-bat in the 11th inning. And had the game when he hit uh, Ernie Riles' son, T.J. Riles, the right fielder for East Carolina, just missed making what would have been a spectacular diving catch at the warning track. But Ashley McGee, it's not every freshman who can have a balanced, good, productive at-bat, six at-bats into a game when the first five included three strikeouts. So he's a, you know, quote-unquote professional hitter. He's really a quiet-in-the-box, consistent swing knows what adjustments to make. He was getting a little big with his swing earlier in that game, trying too much to pull the ball, and quieted his swing later on in the game, was able to make a hard line drive contact. So he's really been a very impressive hitter. He's a huge part of what North Carolina is doing so far. And meanwhile, the Tar Heels have also uh, created a lot of separation in the Coastal Division. Uh, Three up on the rest uh, with Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech, and I'm not really sure that Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech are regional caliber teams. Uh, maybe more so Virginia Tech than Pittsburgh, but Carolina's yeah. three ahead of them. Virginia, Miami, and Duke uh, are one further back at five and seven each. So a uh, whole lot of separation between North Carolina and the rest in the Coastal Division. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know Virginia is still, to me, the team that's the lurking team back there. They've had a tough schedule to this point in the Coastal, but and Carolina already has won that series head-to-head. Yeah. So all those things, uh, Carolina's own play and the play of their immediate competition all point in the direction of North Carolina being able to, uh, I don't know about run away, but control uh, the Coastal Division the rest of the year. By the way, Carolina is against Boston College, who is 1-11 in league play this weekend. They're on the road, so it's never it's never an automatic when you go on the road, but uh, BC obviously not very good. Uh, they can't right. get Justin Dunn back, right? No, they can't. They can, you know, BC can pitch, 
Um, even without Justin Dunn, it's still a pretty good pitching staff up there. But it is not uh, it's not last year's team. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, Dunn created a, you know a little bit of an X factor uh, for for that BC club, and they're they're a little bit less physical on the mound as well, just cumulatively this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the sophomore pitcher's name who was so good on Sundays last year. I want to say his last name is Stevens. I'm just blank on his name. That's is, fine. I, I know it's not it's not my usual. I'm, I'm letting myself down by my usual uh, ridiculous recall standards. <laughs> I apologize. John Manuel, this is John Manuel, uh, the podcast. As we uh, we talk a little local college baseball, uh, Carolina off to a great start. Look, I, I was we were criticized last week for not being positive enough about State, and I'm not reacting to that uh, because, frankly, State hasn't been good enough. They haven't been as good as they thought they were going to be, as anybody thought they were going to be. But they dropped two of three in Notre Dame, and I can't help but think that maybe, especially when you tack on the win over UNC Asheville, and for what I, for all I know, Asheville's awful. Uh, yeah. But at least Sunday and Tuesday, uh, NC State started swinging the bats very well throughout the lineup, especially with guys who had not been uh, hitting very well. But I think the best thing that we saw at Notre Dame, even though they lost the first two games of that series was that Brian Brown dealt for seven innings. And if they're going to do anything this year, they need to be able to count on not only good innings, but a lot of them from Brown at some point in a weekend. Yeah, I think you said it really well, Adam. I, I, there's not a ton I can really add to that. I mean, you know, on Try. Friday night, <laughs> I can, though. I, was say, I can. <laughs> you know, on Saturday, they ran into Pete Solomon, uh, was one of the top pitchers in the Cape last year. So Brandon Solomon, Solomon, which is an old-fashioned ACC kind of eighth versus eighth kind of thing. I mean, Michael Bielak was it, it starts on Fridays for Notre Dame. I wouldn't say he's their ace, but he's good. Solomon's more of a power arm, right? Um, but you know, that's that's the kind of game. Uh, you know, Notre Dame's a tough place to play. Frank X Stadium just you know has a little bit slower turf. Notre Dame's always, as an ACC member, always been a lot tougher at home than they have been on the road. Um, that year, a couple of years ago in 2015, where they had that kind of charmed season, turned all the double plays. They were, you know, kryptonite at home for a lot of other ACC clubs. Uh, you just couldn't score up there. So the fact that State did figure out a way to get some runs home on Sunday, I do think is a, a good positive spin. The other, you know, you mentioned Brown. I think you're absolutely right. He's got to be at least a five or six inning guy every weekend for State. They just, you know, they need to figure out. Uh, consistent starting pitcher to go with Sean Adler, uh, who has been pretty much, he's been pretty consistent, but yeah. it's consistently been he's been a five or six inning guy. Though. That's that's really what yeah. he is. Uh, he's averaging five and a third innings basically per start. So getting Brown to that level, um, and then Michael Beeline. I mean, I've seen Michael pitch a couple times this year. I did not see what he did at Notre Dame coming. I think I, yeah. I just didn't see him being a seven inning guy. So kudos to Scott Foxhall and Elliot Avent for picking the right guy and then preparing him to make an ACC start and to go deep in it. You know, but really, pitching, we thought pitching would be the problem, Adam, and that just hasn't been the case. It's, it's been the offense, and uh, that is not uh, what we thought would be the case for NC State. With a veteran team, I think we thought that this would be one of the more potent yeah. teams in the league. And they have 53 runs in 12 ACC games. You know, they're averaging about four runs a game. I, I think we had higher expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, I think they, they earned higher expectations. So 
uh, you know, seven home runs in 12 games. I think we thought they would hit for a little bit more power. Right. Seven stolen bases in league games. I thought we'd have a sort of more, potentially a more dynamic team on the base pass. So I think across the board, NC State's been disappointing offensively. I don't think there's another way to put it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in, in the series in Notre Dame, uh, Will Wilson continues to hit. Brad Debo continues yeah. to hit. I mean, you can make an argument that uh, other than Josh McClain, who's their best all-around player, that Brad Debo might be their best hitter. Uh, and Will Wilson has had a very good season. Uh, so you've got – there have been some consistencies, although with Wilson and Debo, I mean, I you, don't you have to almost be waiting for the other shoe to drop because they are freshmen? At some point, usually uh, you know, 12 games in, somebody gets the memo or the scouting report gets out, and it gets harder for those guys to compete. So you're, you're looking at what they've done in ACC play. And it's, again, it's a small sample, but McLean is doing what we talked about. He's in 333. You know, he's stolen four bases. He is their best hitter. Debo's next, and then it's Andy Cosgrove, the JUCO transfer catcher. Right. <clears throat> but you're looking through the guys who've been through ACC play before are the ones you, you know, Wilson's hit, uh, he struck out some, but he's hitting 269. But you're looking for some of those veterans to kind of carry you in league play, and, and, you know, you have to go into the 200s before you find these guys' batting averages in league play. They just, you know, the Brock Dethridges, the yeah. Evan uh, Mendozas, uh, the, uh, you know, these guys, Joe Denan. And I talked to a scout this week about Joe Denan, and he's just like, I just, I, you know, I'm just still waiting. Right. I can't wait much longer. Uh, he's hitting eight, he's eight for forty-two in league play, and I've got three home runs, but he's eight for forty-two. And just state needs a little bit more out of those veterans. And the last thing those guys you know, really want to do is put more pressure on themselves because I think they've already been doing that, and that's part of the problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, against UNC Asheville, they had eighteen hits, and Deathridge and Kinnaman and uh, Evan Mendoza had you know they combined for eight hits. Johnny Piedmont. Uh, pitched a very good five-inning yeah. uh, game against Asheville. Again, uh, I guess you have to adjust for the competition, uh, but maybe they can turn that around. By the way, Stephen Patera uh, has been playing every day somewhere. Played left field the other day, played first yep. base, um, and he's been giving them a little bit, been at least getting on base and uh, and doing some things. So um, they're showing some versatility throughout the lineup. Yeah, that's a good point. Because uh, Brett Kinnaman, I thought he was going to break out this year as a sophomore um, after his big finish last year. He has kind of fallen out of favor. The thing is, if Brett Kinnaman doesn't hit, he's not a great all-around player. He's a bat-first corner outfielder. He's not right. a super defender. He's not a super runner. And he just seems like he's lost a little bit of feel for the strikes. And so, you know, Shane Shepard sitting around 200. So Stephen Patera draws some walks makes some contact, gives you some different uh, ways that he can get on base. And he slumped toward the end of last season, went up hitting around under 300. But when he's at his best, he does draw walks, he does make contact, and then go you know, foul pole to foul pole. He can use the whole field. So uh, I think he's important just to have – it shows some of NC State's bench depth that they you know Jack Conley has started some and now he's yeah. out of the lineup. And they found Cosgrove. That's, that's, again, that's why this team was ranked. We've talked about six or seven different pitchers as potential answers for them. <laughs> and we've talked about like 10, 12, 13 position players. But when, at the end of the day, the key guys are those juniors, Brown, Demand, Deathridge, Mendoza. Those yeah. guys have been good ACC players. Some of them have been good for ACC players for two years. They need to have, you know, the first half's over, flush it. They yeah. need to be good ACC players for the second half of this season. 
if NC State's going to meet some of the goals that it had. All right, so uh, this weekend it's Florida State. So you know, if you're if you're NC State, are you approaching this? I mean, to me, in a way, it's a little bit like Miami. It's a series yeah. that if you're State and you play your game, you should win. I, I agree. Florida State is as vulnerable as it ever has been. Now, the Seminoles did come back this week after getting swept by North Carolina, and they, they won two midweek games against Gulf Coast. Now, it's not Dunk City, but Gulf Coast is actually pretty good in baseball, and not just you know, Chris Sale's alma mater. Right. But this school was ranked as high as 11th this year in our rankings. So it's a good program. It's a good team. So those midweek wins do matter for Florida State. They ended up, what was, I think it was a four-game losing streak. And there's a crazy stat about Florida State in uh, the Tally House of Democrat. In weeks where the Seminoles play Florida this year, they're one and eight. In <laughs> all other in all other games, they're nineteen and three. And they didn't play Florida this week. That's a bad sign for the for the uh, Wolfpack. <laughs> they, they've Florida owns the U and the Seminoles right now. They have won twenty four of the last thirty head to head. The Gators versus the Hurricanes and the Seminoles. So, and they're clearly, they, they have eliminated Florida State in the postseason each of the last two years. So it's in Florida State's heads. And uh, other more pertinent concerns for Florida State when you're looking at uh, NC State, Dylan Busby, the corner infielder, we were so enamored with last year in the ACC tournament because mm-hmm. he had such big-time power. You know, you'll, you'll watch him play, and he kind of reminds you of like a, you know, some of these big league you know, outfielders, he's got big power, big arm strength, he's athletic. He's battling a shoulder injury. He didn't play with the Tar Heels. And then we'll see Taylor Walls, the All-America shortstop from last season. We'll see if Taylor Walls is back to being what he was last year. Because on Saturday, uh, well, he, he, he was supposed to change his, his stance a little bit. He was supposedly to work with the Florida State coaches to eliminate a leg kick. And then he came out and leg kicked anyway on Saturday and didn't run out of ball hard to first base. There was a discussion about him in the dugout, mm. yada, yada, yada. He got taken out of the game and suspended. So, um, wow. a yada, yada, the argument. He got suspended on Sunday in the middle of the series. He was suspended for Sunday's game. So, <laughs> uh, did he get the message? There's, there's some turmoil at Florida State that we don't usually hear about. They don't usually get public. And they also have uh, Drew Mendoza, a freshman third baseman, who turned down you know, a seven-figure signing bonus last year at high school come to Florida State, that's not usually how Florida State's baseball teams are built. Um, they don't usually go for the big pro prospects. They, they get good college right. players. So it's a different Florida State team. Um, so this is really a, a desperation kind of uh, series this weekend. Both teams uh, are in that need category. And, you know, RPI-wise, you know, NC State 62. Florida State started this week at 55. They moved all the way up to 32 when those two games against Gulf Coast. Right. So uh, RPI is very volatile this time of year, but you know, Florida State's rarely at 32. If They're rarely mm-hmm. that low. So uh, NC's got to take advantage and see if they can, uh, like you said, like they did against Miami, uh, win another series at home. Got to win it. Uh, I don't think there's any question. They're, uh, they're under 500 in league play. Uh, they need to get uh, – you need to climb over 500 if you want to be considered a regional team. Uh, yep. Duke – for the second, I think believe it was for the second straight weekend, they raked on Friday. <laughs> yeah. uh, last a week and a half ago, it was at Virginia where they scored a billion runs. Uh, they score fourteen. They beat Pitt fourteen zip on Friday. Mitch Stallings was awesome for eight yep. innings. 
Uh, didn't go so well the uh, <laughs> the next two. But uh, but again, I mean, Mitch Stallings certainly was great. This the, we've answered that question for Duke. You know, I, I, the last time I talked to Chris Pollard, he he still said the door wasn't shut to Mitch Stallings going back to the bullpen because he really wanted to get that bullpen fixed. But right. you know, he said as long as but when, if Mitch is pitching that well as a starter, it really is hard to move him out of that role. Well, he's pitching that well as a starter, mm-hmm. and and that's a great place for Duke to start. But the bullpen woes kind of reared their heads again. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the the rest of the weekend. Part of it being that Ryan Day missed a week with a, a tired arm, pitched this week, was on a tight pitch count, kind of ran out of gas in the fifth inning. Um, but, you know, Duke has a 8-5 lead after three innings. So, that, again, the offense, they score 14 runs. I think it was on Friday. They score eight in the first three innings against Pitt on Sunday, and they score two runs in the last, yeah. you know, 16 innings of the series. So, credit Pitt and Pitt's bullpen. Uh, Sam Mersing came out of the Pitt bullpen on on Saturday and threw five scoreless with six strikeouts and didn't walk anybody. So, uh, you know, Duke's offense, I, I think we both agree, is a better offense. You mm-hmm. go really six deep in the lineup, you know, and, and you've got between Heron, Cone, Conine, Lebowski, Michael Smickless, and Kenny Taylor. They're talented guys there, all of whom have had some success in yeah. ACC play. Again, they're pretty good veteran players. Um, but, you know, right now, uh, again, Justin Bellinger's kind of on the outs. He's hit his way out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, and and then you really just that, that bullpen. Uh, Duke just hasn't found answers in the bullpen. And when you don't trust your bullpen, then you are less uh, you know less eager to go to that bullpen as a as a coach. And you might ride Adam Lasky a little bit harder, and you might you take him deeper in a game on a on a Saturday than you might otherwise because you know you need. You're like, well, Lasky even higher in his pitch count, and even having given up five runs already today, it's still better than whoever I'm going to bring in. So uh, Jack Lebowski got hit, Nick yeah, Hendricks got hit this weekend. So all those guys got hit a little bit this weekend, and uh, and Duke really you know, wound up striking out quite a bit against Josh Falk on Sunday and then the, against Sam Mercy on, on, for Pitt on Saturday. So the, the reports I've had on Pitt this year, not just from the Duke coaches, but from other coaches in the league, is that even though Pitt lost a first-rounder in T.J. Zoic last year and a third-rounder in their, sh- their shortstop, uh, Quebecois shortstop, uh, La Francaise, I think it was his last name, La Francaise, <laughs> uh, it sounds like he should be playing for Le Nordique, but um, <laughs> Pitt lost two top early-round draft picks, Adam. Now, I think their overall team is better this year. The overall talent, uh, again, they don't have a top-level draft guy, but their overall talent is a deeper team, especially on the mound, so Pitt's going to be competitive, I think, this year. But I do agree with what you said earlier. In the Coastal, Virginia Tech has a little bit better shot, a little bit better on the mound. Uh, you know, Packy Naughton represent, and they're <laughs> a much deeper team offensively than Pittsburgh is. So those those two teams are scrapped, but that's certainly one that Duke. I think, in hindsight, Duke is going to look back the season and think that's one where we should have won. We were the home team uh, against Pitt. We should win that series. Uh, let's we'll talk about Duke by the way Duke is at Miami in a Saturday Monday series so uh yeah. that should be a fun uh we already talked about uh Carolina at BC and stayed at home against Florida State uh and, and honestly I I know it's Miami and it's Duke but that's a series that if I'm Duke I think I can win that series if my pitching is okay because Miami is not going to score a boatload of runs unless uh you contribute to it but I want to I want to end the Duke you are portion. correct I want to end the Duke portion. Uh, once I saw Miami once, I'm like that. Uh, that that lineup doesn't scare me. It really doesn't. 
Um, Nor should it. <laughs> right. Uh, although they are they are an interesting Twitter follow. The uh, Canes baseball on Twitter is very good. <laughs> um, it didn't count, and it was a loss. But what do I make of Graham Stinson pitching against the Durham Bulls on Tuesday yeah. in a two-one loss? Uh, what do we, I mean? He's a freshman. What do we take away? Stinson didn't pitch well. I guess it was at Virginia uh, right. uh, last week. But what do we make of that? I mean, I realize the Bulls might not have been. Uh, totally focused on everything, but these are pros, man, uh, and they they have pride. They want to hit. So, what do I make of that? That was startling. Now, I, I you didn't expect Duke obviously to win that game, but it really represented itself very well because you know four innings, four hits for Stinson. You know he's one of their better arms. You know this is right. this is why, and he is their midweek starter usually, and he's low nineties. You know consistently. That's why he got that start when Ryan Day wasn't uh, able to start against Virginia. Right. So, I mean, I guess what you I really take away from it is Chris Pollard is a pretty good pitching coach because he got that guy to go from getting uh, not getting an out against Virginia, and eight days later he's able to go through the lineup and get 12 outs against a triple-A lineup. I don't right. care how focused or unfocused they were. Triple-A, <laughs> the triple-A hitters are better than Virginia's hitters. Maybe I need to give Aiden Smith and Adam Haley, that much more credit. They're both going to be first-round picks. Right. But, I mean, come on, man. That that, that really is impressive. If Duke can't – you know, if Duke's pitchers, uh, you know, who, who were involved, you know, Matt Mervis came out of the bullpen and pitched a little bit. Uh, I, I, I got to imagine that um, that Duke's going to take some positives away from that game and uh, uh, all their pitchers can. Uh, James Zemba, Chris yeah. McGrath, Luke Witten all pitched well. Those guys have got to take something positive away from that, and they can parlay this weekend. And I can guarantee you, as we've both seen it, Miami's lineup is not as good as the Durham Bulls lineup. <laughs> I think we both know that. I think so, uh, I think you're right. I th- now, like I'm hoping that we'll see uh, Stinson in the weekend rotation. I mean, if he throws 90s and he just yeah. did that to the Bulls, I mean, why wouldn't Chris Pollard? And I guess I shouldn't be uh, speaking for him or or criticizing because he knows his team better than I do. Uh, but why wouldn't you say, you know what, you're one of our best three arms. We're throwing you out there. We'll, well, I think that's, we'll take our laps at this point. That, I think that's definitely part of the equation. After, but I think you know, I think he had to just show it. I mean, he obviously put him in the rotation one weekend um, against Virginia, and it just blew up. But uh, maybe the lower pressure situation of you know it's an exhibition. And no one expects you to do right. well. No one expects you to throw four innings against when you're 18, 19 years old <laughs> against the Durham Bulls. Um, maybe that really allowed Stinson to have that kind of success. But it should be the kind of thing that when you have an arm like that, and he's got a pretty good breaking ball too, that you can you know you can uh, build off of. And, and again, the other part of that equation is Ryan Day. Um, how's his arm going to bounce back after pitching into the fifth inning last week against Pittsburgh? Um, it might be. To me, I would go with the guy who's a little bit more experienced. If he's if he's if it's close, I would go with the experience in Miami, on the road and league play. Um, but also, you don't have to have as much of a power arm to beat Miami. So right. Miami for the year. Let's just bash Miami's offense one more time because oh, it fine. feels good. Yeah, Miami <laughs> is slugging two ninety one for the year, yeah, Adam. I uh, look. They, I watched it. They they they're it's it's punch and Judy at best. And they're using metal bats. 
it's unreal. It's it's just startling. Yes, but what metal are they using? Are they using a soft metal? Yes, seriously. Are they using I mean, they, tin? I, they're, they're, I've had some scouts tell me that they think that like, certain bats are performing better than others this year. Maybe the Louisville Sluggers. Right. Maybe the Adidas bats. Um, they're using the Adidas bats. I'm pretty sure at Miami. It's it's not helping. It, it's just it is startling. And they've had one weekend, Georgia Tech, where where they hit. So mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Duke has the better offense going in there this weekend, and they have a very competitive pitching staff. That is a chance for Duke to do something. You know, I'm going to guess they probably haven't won very. I, I bet they haven't won a series at Miami ever. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm I, sure I would they haven't. Duke has never done it. So let's let's see if they can do. You know, a lot of teams are making history this year. Miami's 12 for 16, uh, 12 and 16 all year. You know, Miami is thinking. We've got to get right this weekend. Right. It's our chance to get right. So I'd love to see that series, and we'll all get to see the Sunday, the Monday game. That's the ACC uh, ESPNU right. showcase on Monday night. So, you know, let's hope for Duke's sake that that game means something. Either they're playing for a sweep I'll watch or they're it. playing to win that series. Yeah, we, we should all – that's when we all get a chance to see it. It's pretty easy for us to watch it. That's why It's um, a watch party. Yeah, I'll be doing – that would be a fun uh, podcast while we do it. Uh, we can just live tweet the game. I oh. will be doing the uh, – I'll be doing the Battle of the States this weekend. I'll be doing the NC State-Florida State Series. Nice. I hope my I hope my voice bounces back. Still hasn't bounced back from earlier in the week. Uh, so I'm uh, – t- Tuesday at the uh, call in the game in Chapel Hill. Uh, and my voice is still uh, hurting from that one. All right, give me a uh, give me a prospect, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. My prospect of the week this week actually is Devin Hairston. Okay, shortstop of Louisville. I've seen you tweeting about him already. Yeah, you know, it really surprised me. I kind of thought this guy is he's not a big, overly physical guy, and he doesn't run. He's like an average runner, maybe even a fringe average runner on the pro scale. I talked to a second guy I talked to in the last week yesterday, another scout, who said Devin Hairston is moving up draft boards because he's just a ball player. And he gets compared a lot now to Josh Harrison, the Pirates middle infielder. He's got really good hands, and that's the key to, to Devin Harrison. He can make the plays at shortstop or at second base. He's got enough arm strength to the left side of the infield, which really helps him as that future utility role at the big league level. But the, the hands work in the field. The hands work at the plate. He can manipulate the barrel. He makes a lot of contact. And for Louisville, he's playing a, a big-time role as a, you know, really their four-hole hitter behind Brendan McKay. He leads the team in RBI. So he's a little guy. But he's a three-year starter. And if you saw in the last couple of years in the ACC tournament, he didn't have a great ACC season as a freshman. Uh, he had a concussion that year. He bounced back and forth between second base and short. Um, the last two years, he's been a stalwart in the middle of their lineup. And I'm just really impressed with the, the way the scouts come away. Uh, the tools are fine, but it's really just the overall skill level that he brings that makes him a player. And I, you know, that's the part I'm impressed the most about is that there's a lot of physical athletes on the Louisville roster he impresses you as much with his skill as with anything else. John Manuel, Editor-in-Chief, Baseball America, our ACC Baseball Insider. This has been John Manuel, the podcast. I thank you, sir. Thank you. You've been listening to the ACC Baseball Podcast with Adam Gold and Baseball America's John Manuel. Don't forget, you can download this podcast every week at WRALsportsfan.com on our new WRAL Sports Fan app and in the iTunes Store.